couple of things I'll mention before we uh, get into the sermon time this morning. One is, last week we mentioned that we've done something with this bulletin board back here in terms of making it available for people to sign up. We would love to have you sign up for various ministries. I don't know how many ministries there are up there right now, but there's several. And if you're inclined to serve in some way, you're thinking, you know, right now in our church I'm not doing anything. Don't really have a service responsibility. That is a great place to go and to find out some opportunities for service responsibility. So please look at that, see what you can do. Love to have you sign up. Uh, today we have our teens gone. I, 35, 40 people are up at the teens retreat as they do every year about this time. I was telling the story this morning in the first service about I remember how cl- very clearly the year that we... Uh, that Ron Bailey and John Hedges and Steve Asin and I stood in in snow that was like indescribable how much was coming down as we were putting our tents up for the teen retreat in just that time just putting up a tent which maybe takes 20 minutes we had four inches of snow on the top of the tent when we finished and i think steve and ron stayed around for another like these probably were there till midnight trying to keep snow off the tent so they wouldn't collapse i remember megan coming home and saying yeah our our tent collapsed almost immediately so ron and steve did a terrible job but anyway um we, we were actually, we were driving home, uh, like, like Robin and I left and left Ron and Steve with that responsibility. And as we left, like we were literally in a whiteout uh, on, on, in Kananaskis country coming back to, to Calgary that night. And we were just leaving our kids up there. And it was, uh, I think they got better weather this weekend than we got that time. That was quite an event. But anyway, that's where our teens are this week with a lot of adult sponsors And we need to keep praying for them even this morning that they might have a wonderful time together. We also are today celebrating Elsie Harrington's 80th birthday. And I think, you know, yeah, go ahead, yeah. You know, it's it's not uncommon at all for people to come up to me and say, it's so-and-so's birthday today, can we sing happy birthday? And I always say no. And the reason why is because if I did it once... Like, there's enough of you. We'd be, doing, we'd be singing happy birthday every single Sunday. So we don't sing happy birthday here when people have birthdays. But on somebody's 80th birthday, I think we should sing happy birthday. All right? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Elsie. Happy birthday to you. Elsie, happy birthday. Here's a question that we want to start with this morning. Can you, can you see this on the screen okay? Oh, there we go. Can you read that? Do you want our church to change? Do you want it to be drastically, radically different than it is right now? Now that's a fairly challenging question. Somebody who's been here a long time might say to themselves, no, I like it just the way it is. Let's not change. But here's what I hope. I hope that when you read that, that inside you say to yourself, oh, yes, please come change us, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, and change us. That's what I hope you're saying to yourself. And that's not because we're a horrible bunch 
that needs to be changed. There's not something horribly wrong with us. It's because God always wants his people to change. You know, we've always said as a church that we're simply a group of Christians, right? Like, what is a church? Well, we don't, we don't like this institutional language. A church is just a group of people. It's a, just a group of Christians who get together. And here's what I would say in terms of this question. I would say we have to be ever-changing, ever-growing, even radically changing and growing if we want to be what God wants us to be. And so it seems to me like this is a really reasonable question. Do you want what God wants? Do you? Like if I ask you that, do you want what God wants? What do you think, church? I would say so too. I think we want want what, what God wants. But one of the things that's so clear to me is that God wants change, transformation for his people. And if God wants change and transformation for his people, there is no way that the church can stay exactly the way it is because the church is just made up of a bunch of people. And so if you all lost your hair as individuals, the church would all change and become way more beautiful. Right? Dallas is nodding his head. He knows that's true. But here's, here's the real point. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Well, something happens when you offer yourself to God like that. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, there's the word, by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, what God wants. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if I ask you the question, does God want the church to change? Absolutely. Because clearly he wants all of us to be transformed. If we're going to do justice to this verse this morning, we're going to have to talk in terms of change. And so radical change will be the constant agenda for the church that's trying to live out Romans 12, 1 and 2. You cannot live out Romans 12, 1 and 2 and then say, I don't want to change. You can't. God expects us to be different and therefore the church to be different because we are, folks, the church. Look at this passage from 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed, there's that word, into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So let me ask you, does it sound to you like when you read that verse that God wants for us change? What do you think? It sounds to me like it. It sounds to me like if the Holy Spirit was here right now, if he was, he's here. If the Holy Spirit was here right now, and he is, then the Holy Spirit is expecting from us change. Not that kind of change. (laughs) Poor baby. 
Maybe, maybe he needs to be changed. <laughs> Every now and then I come up with one. God does indeed want us to be changed. And in this case, it says, with ever-increasing, ever-changing glory, which comes specifically from God through the Spirit. And so does God want change? Man, absolutely God wants change. So if we go back to the question, do you want our church to change? You better say yes. You're going to be absolutely out of line with the Word of God if you don't say yes. Do you want to be drastically, radically different than right now? Absolutely. In fact, in an ever-increasing way. Do we want things to be different as God's people are changed and become what He wants them to be? So if you said no, you know, it's one of those times when the preacher has the right to say to people, you're absolutely wrong. At least in the manner in which I mean the question. You know, last week we talked about the kingdom. Jesus brings the kingdom. In fact, we said that essentially we live in the new age of the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom comes, it brings with it. When Jesus comes into the, with his kingdom, he brings transformation. He brings change. Nothing is the same when the new kingdom comes because God is doing a completely new thing. If you doubt that, just look at this. Look at these words. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Well, that's pretty radical. Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then after Jesus says that this is what he comes for, it says he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them, and you can read the line, today, Today, he says, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Something radical and new and different and world-changing comes with Jesus, and he says it's here right now. And so we can't for a moment remain the same because when he comes, nothing remains the same. And certainly not your heart. Not your life. Not your priorities. Not your aspirations. Not your goals. Not your relationships. Not the way you spend your time. Not the way you spend your money. Not the things that you dream about. Not the things that you want for your children. Not the things that you want for our world. Not the things that you want for the church. Nothing, nothing can remain the same when the kingdom comes and is present in the lives of his people. Everything changes. And so everything that tends toward darkness and death, everything that heads towards sin and sadness, all of that gets changed. And instead, 
here's what we see. Transformation. Holiness. Light. Fruitfulness. Abundant love. Eternal covenant relationship. God wants the impact of Jesus on us to be pervasive. He wants it to be total, radical. So that we as individuals become different and therefore the whole church and indeed heading toward the whole world ends up getting changed because that's what he wants. So this fall, we're focusing on discipleship. Our banner, come, follow me. And the word follow is the same word for discipleship. We could say, come be a disciple, come be a follower, come follow me. It all means the same thing. Being a disciple means to be a follower of Jesus. And so there's an invitation. Every Sunday when you come here, there's going to be an invitation on this wall. Every Sunday, it's going to say, are you changing for me today? Are you heading toward me today? Are you coming to follow me today? Is your life oriented toward me today? Because Jesus is all about having us follow him and be transformed and changed. Here's the point. Jesus was all about proclaiming good news to the poor. He was about proclaiming freedom for the prisoners, about helping the blind recover their sight, about setting the oppressed free, about proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was about all of that. And I just want to ask us this morning, are we about that? Are we? Are we about that? If, if we're not, then there's only one conclusion we can make. If we're not about this, the only thing we can say is, we are not disciples of Jesus. We are not followers of Jesus. Because this is what Jesus is doing. Those who follow him are going to do that. And if we don't do that, we can only say we're not followers of Jesus. This is what he wants. So what should your life be about? It should be about this. And I hope you're all looking at the screen and thinking to yourself, man, can I do that? Well, the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, is transforming you. The Spirit is entering your life and moving you on in ever-increasing amounts of glory. Which means that you have the power, not within you, except by his presence, to be all that this calls us to be. On Wednesday, we have a homeless lunch here. We've been talking about this recently. It was interesting. I talked with someone else about this this week. Remember last week I mentioned that there were four guys that we have been especially close to in terms of our relationships with the homeless guys who come for lunch? And I mentioned that one of them, in fact, was here last Sunday. He was here. I've seen him several times this week already. We were just talking about the fact that these guys, listen to this. The guys who we've been ministering to are James, John, Michael, Christopher. Those are the four. There was another one that was there on Wednesday. His name was Philip. 
Does that not start to sound a little bit eerie? I mean, one of them is named Christopher. And the other four are all right at the heart of what it means to be godly. And one of them is even an angel. Michael? I don't think those guys are angels unawares that we're ministering to, but I think it's interesting. God puts us in touch with people who hurt in all kinds of ways, and we have a chance to minister to them. You know what we want to have happen to them? What we want to have happen to them is transformation. There's another guy who comes. I fed him twice in the last week, gave him lunches. Young guy, when he comes to the door, he can't hardly look at me in the eyes. But when he does, when he looks up at me and I look him in the eyes, you know what I see? I see every time tears. But they're not his real tears. He has on his face tattooed tears coming down from his eyes. Why would someone do that? And we have a chance to bring into Kelly's life. That's his name. This isn't a story. We have a chance to bring into Kelly's life real transformation. To see something happen and to see him changed. But there is only one way that that's going to happen. And that is if God's people are transformed first. If we're not first transformed, we have nothing to offer Kelly with his broken spirit who can't even look this Kelly in the eyes. But if this quiet, respectful, sober young man sees in us transformation, if he experiences something in us of what God through his spirit is doing is in making us move from one level of glory to another, then something positive can happen. Change can actually take place. And God wants that change to take place. He wants us to change. He wants the church to change because we are the church and he wants change in the church. It won't happen unless we're willing to be changed. Let me give you another example of how things need to be changing. And this is, it's not funny. It almost sounds funny. This week, there were five different occasions where people in our church were trying to ministry, uh, trying to minister, do things, and their ministry kept running into other people who were trying to do ministry. It's like one person's trying to do this, but somebody else is trying to do this. And maybe they want the same space, or they, it's the, happening at the same time, or they need the same materials, or something. And ministers who are trying to do something in the name of Jesus just keep butting heads with each other. Well, my ministry's trying to get done over here, and my ministry's trying to get done over here. It's like somebody says, I want to paint this wall, but then there's somebody who's mopping the floor, and they've got their bucket and their mops sitting against the wall. And the person who's mopping the floor is saying, I've I got to mop the floor. And the painter is saying, well, I've got to paint the wall. And so pretty soon the painter and the mopper, they're not doing so well. And I want to say to the painter, and I want to say to the mopper, here's the thing. Instead of saying, I want to get my ministry done for God in that instant, why don't you instead say, I want to serve you. And the mopper needs to say to the painter, let me get out of your way. And the painter needs to say to the mopper, let me go to lunch and let you mop. 
Because we're servants of one another, trying to get done what God wants us to get done. And when the painter says that, and the mopper says that, you know what happened? Transformation took place between two people. And sometimes that just needs to happen among us. It needs to happen with me. Now, right now, if you're thinking, oh, he's talking about me, I probably am. But I'm talking about me too. And God needs to work in all of us and make us different so that we can do what he wants us to do. On Friday night, I was sitting in the chair, not really watching TV, but I'm in the TV room, and I had my Bible, and I was reading Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. And, and there was a reason for it. It's because I hadn't had a very good day. I had kind of a, a miserable day. All these people saying, no, I want to I do my ministry. And I wasn't, I wasn't feeling very good. I'm sitting in my chair and, and Robin's saying, you okay? What's the matter? What's on your mind? What's on your heart? And I'm reading Matthew 7 and 7 and 8. Here's what it says. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the door will be opened. And you know what I did? I asked. And I sought. And I knocked. And what I said is, Lord, transform me. Change me. Make me more like you. Help me follow you anew. Because if things are going to change for all of us, it has to start with me. I'm the one who needs to be changed. And the change needs to start inside each of you as you say to yourselves, I am going to follow him. And when you start following him, things will indeed change. So you're thinking to yourself, yes, indeed, you do need to change, Kelly. Nobody knows that better than me. I already know that's true. But it's true of you as well. And as we together make that kind of commitment, something drastic will indeed happen in those around us, our world around us, they will begin to be transformed and it will be because we were transformed. Because the Spirit did something in us to change us. And so my question really this morning is this. Will you change with me by coming to Jesus and following Him? And I want to say following Him anew. Because most of you have probably done this. You've already said this. You've answered this question at some point in your lives. But it needs to be asked and answered again. Will we follow him? Will you change with me? And you know, I know I'm not asking an easy thing. It's a hard thing. When you ask somebody to 
completely let their life go and be given to Jesus and to be transformed by the Spirit and become the kind of person that God longs for you to be? It's a tough question to answer. I get that. But, oh, he wants us to answer it, us to answer it in the affirmative. And here's the thing. I promise you, I promise you that if you choose to say to this yes, I promise you, you will be blessed. In fact, I promise you that if you come to him, that the one to whom you come will lift your burdens. If you are weighed down and heavy, I promise you, he will lift those burdens from you. It's a promise. And I can make that promise because he made the promise to me. He says he will lift our burdens. He says he will make our ways straight. He says that things will be better. And I don't mean you won't have any problems. I don't mean that you won't get a flat tire on your way to work tomorrow. And for those of you who, if, if it does happen, profit. Okay? I simply mean that no matter where life leads you, you will live better if there is in your life single-minded devotion to following Jesus. I promise. Life will be better for you if you live with single-minded devotion to Jesus. I promise. Because God promises me. Many of you have heard the name Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was a German Christian. He wrote probably the most influential book on discipleship ever written, The Cost of Discipleship. In August of 1945, he was hanged, really, ultimately because he was a Christian. Uh, Those who observed him said they had never seen a person go to the gallows with that kind of resolved quiet confidence. And here's what Bonhoeffer wrote, and it speaks to us today. He says, we can only achieve perfect liberty and enjoy fellowship with Jesus when his command, his call to absolute discipleship is appreciated in its entirety. Only the man who follows the command of Jesus single-mindedly and unresistantly lets his, meaning God's, yoke rest upon him, finds his burden easy and under its gentle pressure, man, I love that phrase, and under its gentle pressure receives the power to persevere in the right way. That is a great line. The command of Jesus is hard, unutterably hard for those who try to resist it. But for those who willingly submit, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. His commandment never seeks to destroy life, but to foster, strengthen, and heal it. And that's what you will experience. And so if you choose to be transformed into the disciple he wants you to be, you will find life 
and you will find it to the full.